on world changers. This is part four. Uh, just briefly going back through, we said that the starting point for us on this topic is we have to have God's heart in order to be used by him to, to, to be his hands, his feet, his heart, to be influenced for him in, in our broken, hurting world. So we have to catch his heart because that's going to shape how we see our world. And then our next message we looked at, we said that, and we have to start with prayer because we know God works on earth through believing prayer and it is the main vehicle that God uses to advance his kingdom. And, and that means if it's, if it's prayer he uses, it's the prayers of his people. So we're the main vehicle that God uses to see his kingdom advance on the earth. So uh, last week we began uh, two parts. Uh, so I'm going to finish up this week this topic. Uh, we, I could sort of half jokingly said, uh, it's Pastor Jim's field guide for changing the world. You know, so it was just some very practical tips on how we can walk out uh, being God's hands and his feet and his heart to the world around us. Remember, you, you know, when, when you talk about something being a field guide, the idea is you're looking at stuff while you're out in the field, while you're doing the stuff, while you're actually out in, in the midst, rubbing shoulders with the world around. And we know that God is awesome. God is so uh, above and beyond what we can ask or think. God is mystical and mysterious. He's supernatural. But we wanted to take this, this idea of being a world changer and demystify that, that picture. Amen? In other words, that, it, that it's not this sort of ethereal you know, thing, but just simply being intentional, stewarding what God has put in front of us, and then watching God anoint that. God lead us by his spirit, and then the world is getting changed all around us. Amen? So that's what we're going to continue on. And just, just to bring us uh, into connection with last week, we just looked at three practical tips. We said, hey, to change the world, start with yourself. We said to be a world changer for Christ, number two, get a clear vision. And then number three, we said we have to take action. So now what we're really going to do now is pick up with uh, point number four. Uh, and point number four is this. Don't underestimate the power of one of the difference that one person can make and the difference that is made when we touch one person. There, there's a story that, that is just so endeared to me uh, because it's such a great picture of ministry. Uh, it says this, one day a man was walking along the beach when he noticed a boy hurriedly picking up and gently throwing things into the ocean. Approaching the boy, he asked, young man, what are you doing? And the boy replied, throwing starfish back into the ocean. The surf is up and the tide is going out, and if I don't throw them back, they'll die. And the man laughed to himself and said, I don't think you realize there are miles and miles of beach and hundreds of starfish. You can't make any difference. And after listening politely, the boy bent down and he picked up another starfish and he threw it into the surf. And then smiling at the man, he said, I made a difference for that one. Amen. Can you say amen? That, that's the kind of mindset, you know. We, we look, you know, we just did our Difference Maker seminars. There are almost 9 million people in the state of New Jersey. We're not the size of Texas geographically. There's a lot of people, you know, kind of sandwiched into our state. You know, and we can look at that and we can look at the need and we can say we're in the Northeast and it's not the same as the South and, you know, all this stuff. And, you know, at the end of the day, I made a difference for that one. 
by God's grace, I loved, I cared, I was intentional, made a difference for that one. And God will work through us literally one person at a time. So a couple of thoughts on this that will really help us be available to the Lord and be used of him. And the first one is this, that we need to see that there's gold inside every person. We need to see everybody realizing there's gold in there. It was Andrew Carnegie, uh, you, you know, just uh, one of the uh, wealthiest people, uh, business entrepreneurs, right, that, that lived in our nation, you know, uh, going back some years here. And he was interviewed by a journalist one time, and the journalist said, you know, how do you do it, Andrew? How do you attract all of these millionaires? Because he had so many millionaires working for him. H- how did you do that? And he said, well, you, what you need to understand is they weren't millionaires when they got here. He said, but I I saw what was in them, and I trained them, and I developed them, and they rose up to their potential in this arena. We're talking about business, and they became millionaires. But it was because somebody saw something in them, and he took the time to invest in them. And he went on to say this. He said, you know, something to this effect, my, my verbiage of what he said specifically, people are developed the way gold is mined. You have to dig through a lot of dirt to get to the gold. And you know, our culture has forgotten that, but you know, that sounds a lot like how God calls us to walk in his love, agape, right? The, the God kind of love. First Corinthians 13, four through seven says, well, well, love is patient and it's kind and it's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable. It does not keep record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Isn't that a great picture? If we're undergird with the love of God, we're going to be able to see other people see past the dirt that's in the mine and keep going until we see the gold and reach the gold. How many know that if we see gold in people and we treat them that way, they're going to rise up to their potential that God has put inside them? Amen? On the other side, if we treat them as we think they are and, and, and diminish them, they will shrink down. Hey, depending on what the environment is like with us, they'll get beaten down into becoming just what we expect, right? But if we see them through the eyes of love, I tell you what, when, when I got saved, looking on the outside, you wouldn't have looked at me in there and, and said, hey, there's a guy of potential, you know, but I'm so grateful God saw me through, through love because he is agape. It doesn't say he has agape. It says he is love. And God saw me and saw how he crafted me and, and what he put in there. And, 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 and by his grace, it's been a, a process of, uh, of walking with him and allowing him to, to work in me, to work through me, just like he's done for all of us in this room here. In Ephesians 4, 2, it says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, right? How many know that if we're going to get any tenure in relationships with others, we have to bear with one another, right? People aren't married for decades and decades without bearing one another in love, right? It's just, you know, people don't have friendships that, that endure through decades if they don't bear with one another in love. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. So Paul is commending the Thessalonians here saying, hey, you're building each other up. Why is it that some Christians think that their spiritual gift is tearing others down? 
Mercy, huh? Why is it some people think their spiritual gift is cynicism and sarcasm, uh, you know, and, and criticism, right? Those aren't spiritual gifts, and they're in the opposite spirit of how God challenges us to live. And the good news, not, not by might and power, but by his spirit. Right? We yield to his spirit, we catch his heart, we live as people of prayer, and now all of a sudden we start seeing, wow, all right, that, that person's having a tough time, but you know what? There's gold in that mine. You know, man, that person, they don't, they don't, they don't look very likable right now, but you want to know what? God created them, they're fearfully and wonderfully made, and there's gold in that mine, right? And we see through God's eyes, and he'll use us to change the world. How many people can look back and say, wow, it was because somebody believed in me. That somebody cared enough to see past what I was, to see what I could be. And, and, and God used that person to be a world changer for that one person. I was so touched by this story uh, in, in this account in Luke about the demoniac uh, that was out by the tombs. And this is just a great picture of the power of one. Uh, let's take a look in verse 26. It says, They sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. And when Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out. Just, just first of all, is that not like a picture of something we'd see in like a horror movie, right, on TV? You know, here's this, this dude, you know, crying out. You, can you imagine the people in the town hearing this guy agonizing and the shrills? And, and they realize it's coming from the cemetery, from, from this guy that is bound up by, by this, this, these evil spirits. It says uh, in verse 28, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and he fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, what do do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained, they chained this man up, hand and foot, and kept him under guard, he would break the chains, and he had been driven by the demon into solitary places, hanging out by the tombs in the cemetery. So Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly, do not order them to go into the abyss. So a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. Man, are you... you visioning this picture, what this was like, you know, because it goes on to say in verse 34, when those tending the pigs, so let's just stop there. Can you imagine what that was like for these, these pig herders on, on what they just saw, what they just witnessed there? So when they saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, glory to God, they found the man from whom the demons had gone sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Interesting. Not reverential awe, but they were freaked out. You know, they, they weren't blessed. We chained this guy up. We guarded this guy. We, we lived with the sounds of his tortured groans in the background in the night. And now here he is. He's well. Glory to God. They didn't have that response. They were bugged out. Sometimes people will encounter God, the conviction of God and the power of God, and rather than coming under it, they'll say, get away from me. 
That's the kind of thing we are praying for today when people encounter the gospel. Lord, let their heart be soft. Don't let their heart be hardened, right? And it goes on to say, um, so those who had seen this told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. And then all the people of the region uh, asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. But it does tell us here in verse 38, the man from whom the demons had gone, he begged Jesus. You, I, you just had this encounter. You've changed my life. Jesus, I want to go with you. I just want to hang out with you. Please let me go with you. And notice what Jesus says. So Jesus went to the one and he affected the one. And here's what he said to him. Um, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. And the man was faithful to what Jesus said. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. So I believe what we're looking at here is the first evangelist for, for the gospel, right? One person touched, one person encountering Jesus, and it's always a life-changing encounter. You know, life might not be changed when we encounter a church. It might not be changed when we encounter religion, but when we encounter Jesus, it changes everything. Amen? Mm. And what was the response? Just go share. Just give your testimony of what God has done. And he goes and he shares, and he's this, this evangelist. Don't ever underestimate the power of one. You know, we think of Billy Graham, the greatest modern evangelist of history, and yet we can look at the power of one. How about the person who led Billy Graham to the Lord, right? The multiplied fruit that came out of that. So, so the, our first thought here, don't underestimate what uh, impact on one person can do. Number five here, this is our, our next tip that we're looking at. The best impact comes through inspiration and influence. What I'm saying is the way we impact people where it's going to land the best is when we look to influence them and we looked, when we look to inspire them. And you say, okay, well, you know, what do you mean? Well, I mean as opposed to bully them, as opposed to pull a tantrum on them, as opposed to what our culture is doing now, as opposed to uh, uh, cancel culturing them, right? As opposed to arguing them, as opposed to belittling them, as opposed to drawing lines and, and throwing assaults and stones at them. It's getting quiet. Can you say amen? amen? Our world's a mess and our world is hurting. And you know what? When we look to solution, the, the Bible tells us that the wisdom of, of, of our earth, the wisdom of this world, it's, it literally says it's demonic and carnal. This cancel culture thing is unbelievable. It is anti-Christ because what it says is in whatever way somebody blew it, you're canceled. We just want the world to forget about you and ignore you. You're done. That's not God's heart. God always says, if you reach your hand out to me, I can redeem you. I can forgive you. I can heal you. And you know what? The body of Christ needs to stand in the opposite spirit of that. 
Now, now in balance to that, I'm not saying that we back down from standing for the truth and declaring righteousness and being bold for the Lord. But what, what we need to remember, though, in that is we're wrestling not against flesh and blood. I know I've been saying that kind of in each message just because our, it, our world is so broken and hurting and dark right now, we need to be those that operate with wisdom from heaven with anointing of the Spirit through the eyes of love. Because you know, all of these other tactics, they won't conquer all. But love will conquer all. Love is not wishy-washy. Love doesn't mean I stand down. Love is I'm going to do it God's way. And that's always looking for the best interest of the other. And it's always uh, standing with, with, with a perspective that's redemptive right? We don't want to look at somebody and say, no, you're just too far gone. No, you're just written off. You're so different than me. Hey, you so hurt me by the stance and, and the philosophy you carry that, that you're just done. We can't have that attitude and then pray for God to save the lost and to work through us. Can you say amen? amen. This is the same spot it got like loudly silent in first service. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, this is some of God's wisdom on how we're to relate around us. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching, capital D, that day he's coming back. Jude 22 to 24 says, be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Uh, to others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupt flesh. You know what I, I like? What, what I see in, in that verse right there, that, that, that's an excellent picture of, hey, we're not compromising. Not only do I n not want to be in the flesh, I don't even want to have the hint of, of, of the scent of the flesh on me. I don't want to be participating. I don't want to be agreeing or condoning or anything. But at the same time, I'm to show mercy. I, I'm to do the best I can to snatch others from the flames. And then 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16, but in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And this is Bible. This is New Testament, right? It's the, don't get out your, your Bible, your sword and cut them down, show them who it is, bless God in Jesus' name, right? No, it's with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. Look at this, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander, right? We don't want to drop down to the world's tactics, the world's wisdom. It's carnal and it's demonic. If we will do it God's way, the anointing of God will flow through us and we will, we will see people restored. We will see people healed. We'll see them snatched from the flames. Does that sound good, church? Amen? Amen. All right, the next one that we'll look at on how we can be uh, God's hands and feet and heart to be a, a world changer for him is that we purpose to multiply our influence. We multiply our influence. So, hey, we just got done talking about just the power of one, 
right? Right? How important it is to just look for the one, one at a time. But now I want to talk about the, the, the multiplication opportunity that we have. Now here's Matthew 25, verses 14 to 19. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each, uh, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So, hey, the purpose of this parable is to show us that God has stewarded things into our hands and that it's our job to steward those things well and see those things multiplied and see those things bear fruit. You know, we could look at it this way. Let's get this picture. God has given us seeds and we take those seeds and we sow them in the ground. They're going to come out of the ground with many more seeds attached. They're just going to multiply. Put a seed in the ground and a bush comes out. Put a seed in the ground and a vine comes out. Put a seed in the ground, a tree comes out. But in every case, there's going to be multiplied, multiplied fruit in that picture. So, hey, how do we do this? How do we uh, become stewards uh, that, that uh, multiply what God wants to do? Well, in this case, then, it's in the partnerships that we have. It's in who we partner up with. It's in who you collaborate with. You know, I, I, we can use, again, a perfect example here. I can pray or I could partner up and pray with thousands of people all around the country. Wow, that's a great partnership, isn't it? People I've never met, you, you know, uh, praying for the persecuted church through either voice, voice of the Martyr, Voices of the Martyr, or Open Doors. And now we're standing in agreement and we're multiplying our prayer effect to those that we reach out to around us. Uh, how about in our giving? Just, just, just give it a thought for a minute. We prayed for our giving before. We're going to leave this building. And Monday is going to come, and we're going to move into our, our, our week, whatever that looks like. And while we're doing what we're doing, at the same time, people in, in, in our area here are going to be fed. They're going to be clothed. They're going to be people who are going to come onto this campus, and they're going to receive counsel. There's going to be some who will meet the Lord. They're going to be people who grow in their discipleship, people who have brokenness that are going to be healed. There are ministries happening all over this nation that are going to be bearing fruit and bearing fruit and bearing fruit. All of it happening without us scrambling around and being a part of it. You, you know, while we're doing our, our, our week this next week, um, uh, down in Texas, your, your giving uh, has put you in Texas and you're helping put North Texas back together after all the mess that happened with this storm. Amen. Through your giving this next week, you'll be in Ethiopia where there, there is a fresh round of crisis going on there and people being killed and, and violence and people starving. And you're going to be in Ethiopia feeding people, caring for people, protecting and sheltering people. And, and, the, and those are just a couple of projects that we jumped on here uh, as we realized that there was a need. But then there's all the, the missionaries that we stand with. Right, Pastor Nate? You know, all this next week, we're going to be in Panama. You know, uh, we're, we're going to be in India. We're going to be in among those that are in the persecuted church. We're in Iraq. 
We're, we're, we're standing with widows who have lost their husbands because of ISIS, and we're there in Iraq. You're a part of that. That's how we multiply, right? Isn't that, I'm so glad that excites your heart because man, does that thrill me. That's being a steward. Lord, I could take my dollars and I could do something all by myself. And, and yes, there is the ministry to the one. And, and we got done saying that. But God also calls us to say, hey, how can we wisely multiply? And it's in our relationships. It's in our partnerships. It's in our money being invested rather than spent. And then another thought here, it's in our legacy. Living in a way to say, I am going to so invest in others that when I'm no longer here, what I've, what I've sown in love and care uh, and mentoring into their lives, it's going to outlive me. And perhaps it's going to go into next generations. You know, I had this beautiful picture. I was with, uh, with one of my mentors, uh, I want to say a year and a half, two years ago. And, um, as it turned out, the folks that were invited into this room, they, there, were, there were some people up front giving testimony because, um, uh, you know, this person had been in ministry for many decades. And I got to see that literally now, as they poured into this individual, they're talking about their grandkids. You know, and I'm thinking about the legacy effect you impacted my life, which impacted my children's life, which impacted my grandchildren's life. That's legacy. You know, and, and realizing that we have a way to live if we'll give ourselves away to others. We'll be world changers and we'll have that multiplied effect. Can you say amen? amen. All right, last one we're going to look at and we're going to pray. Um, if we're going to be world changers, church, we have to develop personal grit grit. If, if the world changing for Christ was easy, it'd be done already, right? But there's a battle, there's a warfare out there, uh, and um, it's going to require grit. The Bible word for grit is perseverance and endurance, right? In 1 Timothy 4, 16, it says, watch your life and doctrine closely, persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Hebrews 10, 35 to 36, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. Man, there is a picture. We have to persevere. It's not going to be easy. There will be times in the natural where it's just easier to quit, where it's just easier to lay down. Man, is there anybody in the room here today, you got knocked on your tail and you're wondering right now, should I get up one more time? God says, get back up one more time. As a matter of fact, if you get knocked down again, you just get back up one more time. The bottom line is we get up one more time, then the devil knocks us down and we win. And God says, it's not in your might and power, it's in my spirit, so you just stay with me, and you just keep getting back up after it, and getting back up after it, and God is going to be able to use our lives to do things that will, uh, uh, this was used in the movie somewhere, I forget which one, things that we do now that will echo into eternity. Doesn't that sound awesome? Isn't it so great that I'm just going to live in a way, by the grace of God, I just won't give up, I won't back up. 
I'm not going to shut up. I'm just going to keep loving, caring, serving, walking with my God and taking what he has stewarded into my hands and let him in, in my humanness, in my fallenness, you, you know, uh, not theologically, but in my brokenness. You understand what I mean there, right? Uh, that, that, you know, in, in, in the places where I miss the mark, God is bigger than all of that and he's going to bear fruit through it all. Can you say amen? Praise God. Hey, let's pray, okay? We're wrapping up the series. We're wrapping up the morning. And just simply want us to, uh, one more time, just wherever we are around the room, watching online, just to make your seat an altar before the Lord. And just to say, Lord, one more time before we depart from this topic in this series, Lord, use me. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we say that we're afresh and anew, bowing our heart before you. Jesus, it's afresh and anew today that we are declaring you are Christ, you are Lord, you are Savior over all of our lives. And we say, have your way, God. Lord, we ask that you would come and burn away all that's not of you in our lives. And Holy Spirit, would you fill us up? Fill us to where we're overflowing. We want to be seeing with your eyes. We want to be hearing you in our ears. We want you to touch and move our heart. And we want to be led by you. God, we say that we take whatever is in our hands, whatever that you have placed in us, whatever you have given to us, and we say, Lord, breathe on these things. And let us be an influence. Let us be those that would be world changers for you. Father, both for the one-on-one and and, and, in whatever way that you would show us how to multiply, how to invest. Let there be a compounding effect of our lives. Lord, just we say we are all yours. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.